again, everyone, and welcome to Now We're Talking. This is a podcast about communication skills. I'm Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo. I'm a professor of communication studies there. Um, and the last couple of episodes, <clears throat> or I've been trying to transition to talking more about leadership communication practices. And um, that's where I want to go to today. I've, like I think everyone, been been watching in horror at the last hundred days of the Trump administration in the U.S., and I continue to watch CNN, and I'm often, and the Democratic Party, and I'm consistently baffled by certain things that they don't understand or they just don't get about Donald Trump. And I want to talk about one of those things today. Uh, although before we get to Trump, I want to add some background about some of the things we know about leadership communication practices. Um, and it kind of picks up on a lot of what I said in earlier episodes about the effect that you have, not did you get it, um, and how we've been talking about the influence or the power of words to produce emotional effects and how those emotional effects can bias reasoning processes. Anyway, the, the, so today what I'm going to talk about is a critical, critical organizational strategy for leadership communication. In other words, it's incredibly important that leaders, whether they're political leaders, business leaders, leaders in education, whatever it is, think about how they organize or structure their messages because that structure of a message can have enormous influence over whether or not the leader is successful or getting people to trust them or getting people to follow them. So... Um, Let's start by thinking about what kinds of questions a message can answer. And um, so sometimes I, I tell my students, look, any kind of act of communication is in response to an exigence, a problem, a situation. Um, and in response to that situation, you can ask the standard set of questions about it. You can ask, why is this happening? What's happening or what am I going to do about it? How is this happening or how should I respond? When is this happening? or where is it happening? So these are our five kind of standard questions in English. Why, what, how, when, and where. Now, um, if you, or if you think about your, a company that sells some product. So I have students that are, um, I have these students that are working on a new clothing company. So they're selling clothes. They're selling t-shirts and hoodies and stuff. The, so one question I can ask about that company is what do they sell? And then the second question I can ask is how do they sell it or how do they make the product that they're trying to sell? I can also ask where can, where do they sell it? When do they sell it? And I can ask why does the company sell that particular thing? Now, here's the mistake that most people make, including especially the Democratic Party and especially Hillary Clinton um, in the previous campaign. Many, many, many people, business leaders and politicians, organize their message by starting with what or sometimes starting with how. This is a mistake. 
Good leaders start or organize their message in ways that privilege or foreground or make perfectly clear why first, and then later on get around to what, how, when, and where. So um, here's the kind of main insight for this week, and then I'll try and unpack that insight. If you're in a position of leadership, start with why. Start with a message that addresses the question why, not the question how or what. How or what should be addressed, but they should be addressed after the why has been addressed. And that will change the people's response to you. It'll have a different kind of effect or a different kind of impact. So let's talk a little bit more about this. So, you know, questions of what, like every company and pretty much every political uh, party or politician uh, on the planet knows what they do, what they sell or what they want to do. This is true no matter how big or small or no matter what the industry is or no matter what the political party is. Everyone's can easily describe the product or service or policy goal that a company or a politician wants. Um, what's are really easy to identify? So, for example, um, in politics, let's say a Democratic Party wants restrictions on gun rights. They they want to to restrict gun sales to um, to people who are of mental illness. Okay, what? This is a policy thing. You can go on CNN. You can hear a Democrat talking about it. They can, you know. So that's that's the what. Now, how? Uh, some companies know how they do what they do, um, and some companies put a lot of emphasis on this, and they try and differentiate the value of their product. And sometimes companies have proprietary processes. And those processes are unique selling points. So, for example, um, Subaru has all-wheel drive vehicles, and they're made slightly different than other all-wheel drive vehicles. They're kind of genuinely all-wheel drive. So there's a kind of process of making a Subaru, um, how they make them all-wheel drive, that's some, somewhat different than kind of comparable car in the same class. And this is a kind of value of their good. Like what they're selling is Subaru, how they're, they're, they make it is a little bit different. Um, uh, so oftentimes a company or a kind of politician even will explain how something is different or better. That's not always as obvious as the what. So in the current healthcare debate, we have debates over how we're going to lower premiums by creating more competition. So the Republican Party thinks more competition is good. The markets are always good. That's what differentiates America from other places. That one, that's what makes us more innovative, etc. Um, so they want to argue for some how um, that's different than the Democratic Party. How the Democrats are doing it is, of course, forcing you to take your own, uh, take the government's uh, health insurance. I don't believe that, by the way, but that's the way the argument kind of falls out. Um, so it's not as obvious as the what. Um, and lots of people think that these are the differentiating or motivating factors in a decision, the house. Um, but that's not true. It's it's not the differentiating factor, the how. Um, so when and where are even simpler. Um, they are the simplest of the questions that, that can be addressed. Where can you sign up for something? When can you sign up for it, etc. Why, however, very few people or companies or politicians can clearly articulate why they do what they do. And when I say why, I don't mean to make money. That's the result. 
So I tell this to my students and my students inevitably say, oh, you know, I'm founding this company because I want to make money. And I sigh and I'm like, no, that's the outcome you want. That's not the purpose that's driving the, the, your organization. Um, so uh, you're not allowed to say to make money and you're, you shouldn't say to just win an election because that's also the outcome and the comparable outcome in politics. Why, why, by why I mean, what's your purpose? What's your cause or what's your belief? Why does your company or your political party or your candidacy exist? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? Why should anyone care about you? Uh, so most organizations or people think or act or communicate from the what and how question first. They go from what to why. And for good reason. They go from the clearest thing to the fuzziest or most confusing or most ambiguous thing. We say what we do. We sometimes say how we do it. But we don't always say why we do what we do. Now, that's not true for all companies, all kind of um, all forms of leadership communication. And Apple is the most common example. So if I were worked for Apple and I wanted to sell my product, I could say in an ad some variation of Apple makes great computers. They're designed really beautiful because they're simple to use and they're really user friendly. You should buy one. And that ad might work because the how might be the differentiating factor to get someone to buy an Apple computer. But that's not how Apple actually does it. It doesn't communicate that way. Um, Apple in their ads more often than not starts with why. And that's why they're able to sell an array of different things. That's why they were able to move so seamlessly from computers to cell phones to watches to iPods. It doesn't matter. The why underneath all of them is exactly the same and motivates or is is foregrounded or or um, exists or gets articulated before the what and the how. So Apple ads are more like this and they don't say this explicitly but they say it, it sometimes just visually or sometimes in the organization of the ad. The Apple says, look, the things that Apple do, does are because Apple believes in challenging the status quo. Apple believes in think diff thinking differently. And I believe one of their campaigns about 10 years ago was think differently. That was the whole campaign. And then they say, well, the way we challenge the status quo is by making our products that beautifully designed, simple to use, user-friendly, uh, et cetera. And those products are great, and the, or those products are X or Y. You should buy one. So the organization of an Apple ad is, you know, think differently. We've designed these beautiful things differently. They're great at what they do. You should buy one. Those ads start with why and then get around to the what later on. It's a different message, and the message, important. this is the most important part, the message feels differently. And I don't want to get too bogged down into the cognitive science details of this. But when we communicate about the why, the why messages address the emotional processing centers of the brain. The what and the how messages address the rational parts of the brain. So I, I think I must have talked about the somatic marker hypothesis at some point in one of these, episode, in one of these episodes. But... Um, our reasoning is always biased by our physiological affective state. And good communicators know this. So 
there's good communication practices involve priming, involve addressing emotional states before you get to the rational component of the message. Because people won't believe the rational component of the message unless they feel emotionally oriented to or emotionally positioned in such a way as to understand and then receive and weigh the rational component of the message, which is what Apple ads are doing. It's also, by the way, what the Republican Party is so good at doing and what the Democratic Party is so bad at doing. And in particular, it's uh, it's one of the things that Donald Trump is so good at doing. And he's Donald Trump is horrendous at the how and the what. He appears to not even know anything about any sort of policy that he's advocating. But it doesn't matter, you see, Trump gets on TV and just says, Obamacare is failing, it's failing, it's failing, it's failing. It's, you know, so why we must get rid of it is because it's a failure. So every single message that Trump um, delivers about healthcare, and this is just one example, begins with why, over and over and over again. And then CNN reporters, they want to ask him about how and what. Okay, how are we going to do this? Like, what's the policy going to look like? How is this going to happen? And Trump doesn't even bother. Some days he bothers, and it contradicts the things that are actually in the bill. And and then CNN goes to goes out to the kind of states that Trump won, and they ask him, well, how's Donald Trump doing? And what does everyone say that voted for him? Oh, he gets an A for performance. He's doing great. And the CNN reporters, an obvious dismay and disdain for the people that they're interviewing are like, what? How could these people say Donald Trump is doing so well when he's on the precipice of taking away their health care? Um, he's going to cut taxes for the wealthy and not for them. Um, he's doing all these things that damage the people that actually voted for him. And what and how he's doing them, uh, if you think about how he's doing them, he's doing them in a completely corrupt way in a completely uncivil way. He's essentially a thug. Um, and yet people are so deeply committed or trusting of Trump. And the reason is because he always starts with why. He always, always, always starts with why. And he ignores, he, he basically ignores how and what. Um, and this is only one of his rhetorical techniques or, or, or kind of rhetorical mechanisms of messaging that Trump has mastered. Um, but um, it's also, you know, the reason that Trump is, is so successful is because there is, at least from the left, no substantive, clear, genuine counter why. Um, too often, the Democratic Party, and I lived through the Al Gore election and the Hillary Clinton election. And it was astonishing, you know, Gore and Hillary Clinton are both kind of certainly well qualified for their positions. They're these kinds of had these kinds of nuanced senses of policy. Um, they could talk for for endlessly about the nuances of policy and how policy works and like what we should do about X or Y. And I come away with those having no doubt that both Al Gore and Hillary Clinton would have been very competent kind of managers of the public state and kind of advancers of policy agendas, et cetera. But I have no idea why Hillary Clinton ran to be president. I have no idea why Al Gore ran to be president. I have no idea why the Democratic Party thinks that it needs to, or it needed to, 
change or do the things that it said it wanted to do. Because the Democratic Party almost always orients its message from the how and the what first, and then maybe at some point later on down the road pays a little bit of attention to why, but often very little attention to why. So the privileging of the what and the how is also what makes the Democratic Party look elitist and look out of touch with the needs of or the concerns of everyday people. Now, of course, that's totally backwards. It's completely factually wrong. The Democratic Party is no doubt, there's no question policy-wise, the Democratic Party, in terms of the what and the how, would benefit the people that voted for Donald Trump. They would help those people. But those people don't believe the Democratic Party. They don't trust the Democratic Party. They they're, they have no kind of emotional resonance with that party. And that's because the messages are backwards. The messages don't start with why, they start with how and what. And the how and what come across as condescending, as overly rational, and as not speaking to the deeply emotionally felt needs of the audience. Because how and what messages are directed at the part of the brain that processes things rationally, while why messages are directed at the part of the brain that processes things emotionally. So the the Democratic Party is not working in a way the bias the reasoning about the how and the what first by privileging the why and then framing the conversation in such a way that emotion that emotionally the audience is predisposed to trust them or to like them or to be drawn to them meanwhile that's the only thing that trump is doing he the only thing he's doing is telling people why things are the way they are um why do we need a wall we need a wall with mexico because drugs are coming in and bad people are coming in Okay, how are we going to build a wall? How much is it going to cost? What's the wall going to look like? The, the, <laughs> no one cares. The, the people that are voting for Trump don't care. The people that believe in Trump, they don't care because the why message targets their kind of emotional state and it makes them... And so, okay, here's the thing about the by targeting, by addressing why questions in your message first and targeting the emotional state of your audience, that's the only surefire way to build trust with that audience. The audience trusts you more when you're addressing why first and not how or what first. So the audience trusts Trump when he tells them, why Why do we need a wall? Because, because the Mexicans are bringing drugs into the country and there are criminals coming in. So what's the wall going to look like? Who's going to pay for it? How's it, how's it going to be built? All these questions, they don't care. They, they just trust Trump because the, he has satisfied their need for having or for for knowing why something is is the case he's addressed why first he's organized his message so that the why comes first and i shouldn't just dwell too much on trump this is the true this is true for all businesses any business and i tell this to my students who want to we have a huge startup culture at the university of waterloo and a lot of my students circle in and out and and kind of get jobs with these startup companies and i tell them all you know, you need to know why your company does what it does first. And the answer is not to make profit. You know, the why has to be the thing that drives the purpose of the company. And then you need to be clear with people about why you're doing the things that you're doing. And then after you're clear about why you're doing the things that you're doing, then you can tell them how you do it or what you do, how you make the products you make, what the products are. And you can think about things or worry about things like price and competition, etc. But if you can't answer the why question, then you're not in a position to be a leader in the marketplace and or the organizational culture will ultimately be a culture not of kind of deep trust. Um, it, it 
the organizational culture um, can have problems in the long run. So organizations, whether or not they're political parties is kind of irrelevant, but organizations with leaders that address the why question are also much, much, much better able to generate group cohesion, to generate kind of loyalty and commitment on the part of employees. Employees um, also kind of report much higher degrees of job satisfaction when they know why they're doing the thing that they're doing. Um, there's a famous example of um, some obscure company that made like tiny little widgets that go on some, uh, I think they made valves that go on medical equipment for uh, things they use in emergency rooms and, and operating rooms. And this that company, you know, I can't imagine a thing a more boring thing to sell. But anyway, the the comp that that company, the CEO of that company was kind of, kind of legendary for every year they'd have a company retreat and he'd get up and give a speech and he'd remind everyone why they do what they do. They do what they do to save lives. And it wasn't about moving units of this little widget and he just kind of vividly reminded people that they are an integral part of the healthcare delivery system and that their equipment ultimately aids in the saving of lives. And that's why they were there. And of course, everyone loved the CEO, that company had great loyalty, et cetera, and they made money, sure. Um, but the CEO didn't get up there and say, okay, we sold a million widgets last year and we produced them at this cost and, and this way and we invented a new kind of thing on our on our, on our sales team that did this sort of thing. The, the CEO did not start with what and how. The CEO started with why and later on got to what and how. Trump starts with why and then gets to what and how. The Democratic Party needs to have, learn how to start with why before what and how if it's going to reclaim the Senate and the House and the, the ultimately the presidency. I don't think someone, I don't think a Democrat can beat Trump without starting with why. It seems almost impossible and it's counterintuitive to what we know about the communication process. Um, anyway, so today's little message is if you're in a leadership position, you need to start with, with, with your messages by addressing why questions before how and what questions. And that goes for politics, companies, whatever kind of institution. If you tell people why you're doing what you're doing, you're targeting their emotional part of their their capacity to understand the world that will bias their reasoning about what and how later on so that's it for this week um i think we'll talk about some more leadership communication practices next week thanks everyone for listening and i'll see you next time